You're listening to Bible Prophecy Daily, a weekday podcast where Bible prophecy matters and matters greatly. Greetings, fellow believers in our Lord Jesus Christ. In this episode, I will look at the timeline leading up to the start of Daniel's 70th week. Throughout human history, God has fulfilled the promise of Amos 3.7. It says, certainly, the Lord Yahweh does nothing unless he reveals his secret plan to his servants, the prophets. This plan has been fulfilled faithfully and completely, uh, of course, according to his perfect wisdom and timing. But the plan has been revealed in bits and pieces over the years. This is called the progressive revelation of God. The best example of this is in regard to the first coming of Jesus and the salvation provided by his sacrifice on the cross. It's stated at 1 Peter 1, 10 through 12. As to this salvation, the prophets who prophesied of the grace that would come to you made careful searches and inquiries, seeking to know what person or time the spirit of Christ within them was indicating as he predicted the sufferings of Christ and the glories to follow. It was revealed to them that they were not serving themselves, but you, uh, that is in a future generation, in these things which now have been announced to you through those who proclaim the gospel to you by the Holy Spirit sent from heaven, things into which angels even long to look. From the first salvation promise of Genesis 3.15 to the final prophecies in the book of Malachi, the promise of the coming Savior of the world was revealed little by little until completely fulfilled by the person and and work of Jesus of Nazareth. Just as Jesus himself proclaimed at Luke 24, 44, these are my words which I spoke to you while I was still with you, that all the things that are written about me in the law of Moses and the prophets and the Psalms must be fulfilled. Now, the very same principle of Amos 3, 7 applies to the prophecies about the end times. The various details have been revealed little by little to God's people according to the principle of uh, progressive revelation. From the Old Testament prophets to the words of Jesus and the writings of the apostles, God's prophetic timeline is recorded in the Bible. And the same certainty of fulfillment for that timeline will be realized according to the perfect wisdom and timing of God. Now, of concern for us at this time in history is what is the next item on God's timeline? According to all the written chronological indicators, the next event in the timeline is the start of the 70th week of Daniel, as it's called. The 70th week is a future seven-year period of time during which and because of which God will fulfill his promise to Israel to establish them as the chief of nations through which he will govern all the other nations of the earth. 
Of course, that's referring to what we designate as the Millennial Kingdom. Now, during that period of time, uh, during that uh, future seven-year period, Jesus will return to the earth, and God will begin to fulfill all the blessings and judgments involved with his second coming. But exactly how near or how far is that event from actually occurring? Now, as of right now, it's been almost, what, 2,000 years since the resurrection of Jesus? And, and of course, the 70th week still has not happened. So in this episode, I will show that such an extended period of time was, in fact, prophesied and necessary before the 70th week could begin. That is, before the Antichrist could come on the scene and before Jesus would return. This seven-year period is, is mentioned directly only one time in Scripture. But there is a reference to it indirectly several times by focusing on the middle point of that period of time. Now, the direct reference to the 70th week of Daniel is at Daniel 9, 26 and 27. At uh, verse 24, it starts out and says, 70 weeks have been decreed for your people and your holy city. Now, basically, uh, some of you may realize this has been uh, taught uh, about uh, many times already. So some of the details I won't go over. So basically, this is uh, 70 periods of seven years each, and that equals about 490 years. Not about, it equals 490 years. Uh, the six items mentioned in verse 24 relate to Israel, but have application to the entire world. And those six items... They won't all be completed within the parameters of those 490 years, but will be fulfilled through and because of the 490 years. <clears throat> Actually, some of them will be fulfilled after the 490 years have transpired. Now, since the promise relates directly to the nation of Israel and the city of Jerusalem, we need to understand the start and character of the 70th week according to the history of Israel. Uh, let's look at the chrono chronological flow of Daniel 9, 25 through 27. That, that flow is very precise. Verse 25 says, So you are to know and understand that from the issuing of a decree to restore and rebuild Jerusalem. The decree was issued by Cyrus of Persia in 536, BCE, which is actually 454 years before Christ's birth. The time adjustment is because of an 82-year corruption in the Persian king list, but that's another study. Now, from that decree, uh, there were then 483 years until the formal arrival of Messiah the Prince. As the verse continues, uh, this is broken down into two periods says, uh, until the Messiah, the Prince, there will be seven weeks and 62 weeks. It will be built again with streets and moat, even in times of distress. Uh, during the first 49 years, that is seven weeks, the Jews returned to Jerusalem and rebuilt the city and the temple. And after that, there were 434 years or 62 weeks uh, until the formal arrival and presentation of Jesus to the nation of Israel. Now, this occurred in 30 AD. Jesus described it at Luke 19.44. Uh, 
because you did not recognize the time of your visitation. At Daniel 9.26, it says, Then after the 62 weeks, the Messiah will be cut off and have nothing. So the total is 483. <clears throat> so at that time, that is after the 434 years plus the 49 years, and after his official presentation of himself to the nation, the Messiah was cut off. He was rejected and crucified by the leadership and the people of the nation. Acts 3, 13 through 15 summarizes it. The God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, the God of our fathers, has glorified his servant Jesus, the one whom you handed over and disowned in the presence of Pilate when he had decided to release him. But you disowned the holy and righteous one and asked for a murderer to be granted to you, but put to death the prince of life, whom God raised from the dead, a fact to which we are witnesses. Okay, Daniel's chron chronology continues. After the Messiah is rejected by the nation, says the people of the prince who is to come will destroy the city and the sanctuary, and its end will come with a flood, and to the end there will be war, desolations are determined. So at the time that Daniel received his prophecy, the city and the temple were in ruins. Uh, he wrote his prayer at Daniel 9.18, My God, incline your ear and hear, open your eyes and see our desolations and the city which is called by your name. But within the first 49 years from the decree, the city and temple will be rebuilt. But then after 434 more years, according to the passage, it's going to be destroyed again. But then again, the city and temple will be rebuilt again. This is all within the chronology. So and, and that, that's the next thing mentioned in the chronology. After a period of wars and desolations, the city will be rebuilt. And uh, the person designated as the prince who is to come will establish a seven-year specific, a seven-year covenant experiment that will authorize the practice of animal sacrifices. We know that the covenant will allow the sacrifices because in the middle of the week, the sacrifices will be stopped. It says he will establish a covenant with the many for one week. That one week is a specific seven-year period of time. And then it says that in the middle of the week, he will put a stop to sacrifices. That also indicates that this covenant experience must occur at a time when there is a functional sanctuary in order for the animal sacrifices to take place. The covenant that allows for the practice of animal sacrifices requires the existence of a functional sanctuary, either before the covenant is made or the covenant actually authorizes the, uh, the construction of a sanctuary. Uh, in fact, whether the temple sanctuary will be or indeed even can be in existence before the start of the week, that's just simply an unknown, an unknown factor. But as you think about it, it's pretty unlikely that the world community would tolerate the sacrifice of animals without some kind of unilateral agreement that would allow it. So the next thing in Daniel's chronology is that at the midpoint of that covenant experiment, the prince who is to come will break the covenant 
by putting a stop to the sacrifices and setting up the abomination of desolation. And then after that, the desolator will be destroyed. Okay, now Jesus presented the same chronology as found in the Olivet Discourse by comparing Matthew 24 with Luke 21. The covenant and the start of the 70th week are not mentioned anywhere in the New Testament. However, the midpoint of the week is mentioned. Also, that specific event that will fulfill the action mentioned at Daniel 9:27, that is the event that puts a stop to sacrifices and offerings, that is referenced. Matthew 24:15, Jesus refers to this action when he said, "When you see the abomination of desolation spoken of by Daniel the prophet standing in the holy place." And Paul referenced it when he wrote concerning the man of lawlessness. He takes his seat in the temple of God, displaying himself as being God. And so, uh, for Christ's chronology, first, after his resurrection, there will be persecution because of his name, specifically from the Jewish nation. Luke 21, 12 says, they will lay their hands on you and persecute you, turning you over to the synagogues and prisons, bringing you before kings and governors on account of my name. Notice specifically the persecution from the Jews. That is, they will be brought before synagogues. Now, after the removal of Jewish authority, when the nation was disbanded with the fall of Jerusalem, the Jews no longer could drag Jewish Christians into their synagogues. Although antagonism of Jews against Christians continued, it was through verbal and written attacks rather than any kind of physical uh, and formal abuse. Now, second in the timeline, during that time, that time of persecution, the city and the temple will be destroyed. Luke 19.43 writes, For the days will come when your enemies will put up a barricade against you and surround you and hem you in on every side, and they will level you to the ground and throw down your children within you, and they will not leave in you one stone upon another, because you did not recognize the time of your visitation. It's also mentioned at Luke 21.20. But when you see Jerusalem surrounded by armies, then recognize that her desolation is near. Then those who are in Judea must flee to the mountains, and those who are inside the city must leave, and those who are in the country must not enter the city, because these are days of punishment, so that all things which have been written will be fulfilled. The third thing in Christ's chronology is that the nation of Israel will be disintegrated, and the Jewish people will be scattered throughout the world. Luke 21 continues, there will be great calamity upon the land and wrath to this people, and they will fall by the edge of the sword and will be led captive into all the nations. Jerusalem will be trampled underfoot by the Gentiles until the times of the Gentiles are fulfilled. The fourth point in Christ's chronology is that after the fall of Jerusalem, the general historical trends of wars between nations and kingdoms will characterize the international environment. Matthew 24 six through eight and you will be hearing of wars and rumors of wars see that you are not alarmed for those things must take place but that's not yet the end for nation will rise against nation and kingdom against kingdom and there will be famines and earthquakes in various places but all these things are merely the beginning of birth pains this is the description of history from that time until now 
over the last 1900 some years, the city of Jerusalem, of course, has existed and will exist in various levels of reconstruction and population. But even though the city of Jerusalem has been rebuilt and there is an established nation of Israel, there's no temple, there's no functional sanctuary. The city right now is still a divided city subject to both political and religious unrest. The real significance of desolation is that the city and the temple will remain outside the sphere of God's blessings. Uh, that's uh, it's cursed and rejected by God. That's the significance of the cursed fig tree at Matthew 21. Jesus described it at Matthew 23, 38. Your house is being left to you desolate. Now, according to Jesus, the next event on the prophetic schedule is the start of the specific tribulation. This will be the great persecution from the man of lawlessness, the beast person of Revelation 13. Matthew 24, 9 and following says, Then, which is after the beginning period of birth pains, then they will hand you over to tribulation and kill you, and you will be hated by all nations because of my name. Notice how the intensity of the persecution is developed here. Uh, therefore, when you see, notice again, therefore, in other words, this is going to describe when this tribulation begins. Therefore, when you see the abomination of desolation, which was spoken of through Daniel the prophet, standing in the holy place, let the reader understand, then there will be a great tribulation such has not occurred since the beginning of the world until now, nor ever will again. It is this abomination event that will mark the start of the tribulation. Now, since the abomination event will involve a functional temple or at least a sanctuary in Jerusalem, then there must be a rebuilt city and sanctuary in place before that abomination event can occur. The same thing that we saw in Daniel 9. Now, Jesus never mentioned the start of the 70th week, that is the seven-year covenant experiment. His focus was on the middle of that seven years. We're not told why, and I see no reason to speculate about, uh, speculate about a reason. But the only place where that seven-year covenant is mentioned is back at Daniel 9. Okay, so I'm going to back up a bit. Prior to the fall of Jerusalem and the destruction of the temple in 70 AD, the apostolic church lived under the onslaught of persecution from both the Jewish nation and the Roman Empire. Uh, Luke 21, 12, they will lay their hands on you and persecute you, turning you over to their synagogues and prisons bringing you before kings and governors on account of my name. And of course, it will lead to an opportunity for your testimony. Jesus taught that before the tribulation, Jerusalem and the temple would be destroyed. Without departing from the chronological progression that he gave, the whole scenario could have occurred in the first century. Now bear with me. One, the city and temple could have been destroyed. The nation could have been judged and the people dispersed. The people could have been regathered. The sanctuary could have been rebuilt. The abomination event could have occurred and Jesus could have returned. That's according to the chronology, the progression. 
The book of Acts and the epistles don't mention the fall of Jerusalem. They all focus on the promise of Christ's second coming. But every mention of the, the, the fact and the promise of the second coming of Jesus must fall under the umbrella of 2 Thessalonians 1, 6 through 10 and, and through, through chapter 2. Paul indicates that it was possible for that present onslaught of persecution to escalate into the great tribulation that Jesus said would occur. He taught that the abomination event could occur and that Jesus would return to rescue believers from the persecution by the man of lawlessness. 2 Thessalonians chapter 1, 6. Indeed, it is just for God to repay with affliction those who afflict you and to give relief to you who are afflicted along with us at the revelation of the Lord Jesus from heaven with his mighty angels in flaming fire, dealing out retribution to those who do not know God and to those who don't obey the gospel of our Lord Jesus. This then was the understanding of the early church that the abomination event could occur. The tribulation could begin and Jesus could return to rescue the persecuted church from the great tribulation. Uh, Jesus taught that at Matthew 24:15, for the sake of the elect ones, those days of tribulation will be cut short at an unknown day and hour. And Jesus will return to gather his elect ones from the farthest end of the earth to the farthest end of heaven. No one knew the exact number of years involved for Christ's chronological scenario. But about 35 years after the resurrection of Jesus, Paul was confident that the second coming of Jesus uh, would happen according to the perfect wisdom and timing of God. In general, at 1 Timothy 6, 14, he exhorted Timothy to keep the commandment without stain or reproach until the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ, which he will bring about at his own time. In the same year, Peter expressed the possibility that Christ's timeline could be fulfilled. At 1 Peter 4, 7, he wrote, the end of all things is near. A few years later, he knew that he was going to die very soon. He wrote at 2 Peter 1, 14, knowing that the laying aside of my earthly dwelling is imminent, as our Lord Jesus had made clear to me. Now, tradition tells us that Paul also died in the same year, about 68 AD. He wrote at 2 Timothy 4, 6 and 7, For I am already being poured out as a drink offering, and the time of my departure has come. I have fought the good fight, I have finished the course, I have kept the faith. And still, the specific prophecy of the fall of Jerusalem was unfulfilled. However, in a matter of two years, it was destroyed in 70 AD. And the prophecies of Daniel 9:26 and Luke 21 were explicitly fulfilled. Now, once Jerusalem and the temple were destroyed, the chronological scenario moved on to the next prophesied events. The gathering of the Jewish people, the rebuilding of the city and sanctuary, the start of the great tribulation with the abomination event, and the return of Jesus. Again, all this could have occurred there in the first century, according to the knowledge that had been revealed by the Old Testament prophets and by the chrono chronology that Jesus presented.
But as the years passed after the fall of Jerusalem, it became more and more unlikely for those specific things to occur. Now, John wrote his gospel and letters sometime after the fall of Jerusalem. Usually, tradition suggests that it's uh, 85 AD or after. And in all of his writings, he did not mention the fact that Jerusalem and the temple had been destroyed. And in his three letters, his focus was to exhort Christians to godly living in anticipation of the second coming of Jesus. The prophesied timeline was not mentioned by John. Also in the book of Jude, which is traditionally said to have been written uh, after 75 AD, the focus is on godly living in the midst of many false teachers. The focus for the future is still on the confident expectation of Christ's second coming without any reference to the prophesied timeline. However, the prophesied timeline given by Jesus was still the divinely inspired scenario for the future. And uh, as far as following that timeline, the church could see the possibility of those particular items being fulfilled. Jews regathered into the land, rebuilding of a sanctuary, and the abomination event, rise of the, uh, the man of lawlessness, and the return of Christ. But of course, as time went on, there uh, after the fall of Jerusalem, it seemed more and more less likely. And then finally, and uh, still in anticipation of the second coming of Jesus, God gave to the church additional information through the book of the Revelation, again following the principle of progressive revelation. The revelation given to John indicates that some very technical factors needed to be in place before the abomination event could occur. Basically, it revolves around the specific details about the rise of the beast. In Revelation 13, John was given some specific details that in actuality could not be fulfilled at the time of writing, nor for many, many years. Those details require the development of a technology that must be in place for those things to be accomplished. First, the worldwide awareness of the death and healing of the world ruler. Revelation 13:3. I saw one of his heads as if it had been wounded to death and his fatal wound was healed, and the whole earth was amazed and followed after the beast. This requires a global communication technology that has come into existence only in this modern era. Second, the economic controls that will exist. The mark of the beast and the required worship protocol requires technology that is, even today, not fully developed. In order to implement the degree of control described at Revelation 13, 16, it would require the kind of technology that was simply not in existence at that time, nor in fact would it be until what has been developed now in the 21st century, over 1900 years later. And the push toward a, a cashless society using only a digital currency and unique identification protocols is moving us even closer to that control. Revelation 13 says, and he causes all the small and the great, the rich and, and the poor, the free and the slaves to be given a mark on their right hands 
or on their foreheads, and he decrees that no one shall be able to buy or sell except the one who has the mark, either the name of the beast or the number of his name. A third item of technological advancement, uh, the worldwide lifelike image of the beast requires some combinations of holographic, drone, and AI technology, as well as the global communication technology. Revelation 13, 14, he deceives those who live on the earth because of the signs which uh, was given to him to perform in the presence of the beast, telling those who live on the earth to make an image to the beast who had the wound of the sword and has come to life. And it was given to him to give breath to the image of the beast so that the image of the beast would even speak and cause all who do not worship the image of the beast to be killed. All this technology must be in place before the beast can begin his worldwide rulership. That is, before the midpoint of the 70th week, and technically, before the start of the 70th week, only three and a half years before that. Now, some of the final words given to John are at Revelation 22, 6 and 7. And he said to me, these words are faithful and true. The Lord, the God of the spirits of the prophets, sent his angel to show his bondservants the things which must quickly take place. And Jesus told him, behold, I am coming quickly. Happy is the one who keeps the words of the prophecy of this book. The word group for quickly take place and coming quickly is toxis. It basically means without delay. In the context of Christ's specific timeline and the technical information in the book of the Revelation, the word group indicates that there will be no interruption in the plan of God for the chronological progression of these end time events. There will be nothing that interrupts or delays God's plan. It does not mean and cannot mean imminent. Now, since the fall of Jerusalem in 70 AD, the church has continued to focus on the evangelistic commission that Jesus assigned to it at Matthew 28:19. Go therefore and make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to follow all that I commanded you. Behold, I'm with you always to the end of the age. The end of the age is a period of time that will begin when Jesus returns. In fact, Jesus told the disciples, as representatives of the entire church, that they would not finish going through the cities of Israel until the Son of Man comes, Matthew 10:23. This, then, is to be the focus of the church while maintaining a confident expectation that Christ will return according to the perfect wisdom and timing of the plan of God. Jesus said that his return will be at an unknown day and hour after the tribulation of those days is cut short. He said that it is a moment in time that is known only by God the Father, and Paul wrote that God will bring it about in his own time. But application of the revealed timeline requires a reborn nation of Israel with a functional sanctuary in the city of Jerusalem, and it requires an advanced technology in order to fulfill the language of Revelation 13. And only in such a world environment could someone come on the scene and establish a covenant experiment that basically forces all the nations to comply. To summarize, we are now living in the period of history described by Daniel as to the end there will be war, desolations are determined. And as, as Jesus described it, Jerusalem will be trodden underfoot by the Gentiles until the times of the Gentiles is fulfilled. According to Daniel 9:27, at some time after the fall of Jerusalem in 70 AD, 
a Roman prince will establish a covenant with the many people of the Middle East. As of this date, no such covenant has been established. As to the nature of the covenant, as uh, I've already discussed, at the middle of the seven-year period, the prince who is to come will put a stop to sacrifices and offerings. This indicates that prior to that time, a temple or sanctuary will be in existence and animal sacrifices will be performed. At the present time, there is no temple or sanctuary in Jerusalem. And the nature of the religious and political environment in the Middle East suggests that it is not likely for a Jewish temple to be allowed in Jerusalem, let alone for animal sacrifices to be allowed. And this strongly suggests that it is the covenant that will establish peace and religious toleration so that both Islam and Judaism can have their respective temples. And uh, to basically um, allow the rest of the world to condone the worship activity of Israel. So all this indicates that before the midpoint of the 70th week, there must be a functional temple or sanctuary in Jerusalem. And uh, that indicates that probably even three and a half years prior to that. Also, prior to the advancements in technology that we see today, a unilateral agreement of peace and religious toleration could not likely be enforced. And the rise and activities of the beast, as described at Revelation 13, could not be fulfilled until specific technology had been developed. The timeline is precise. First, the fall of Jerusalem. Second, the regathering of Israel into a national entity. Third, the establishment of a unilateral covenant experience. Fourth, the rise of the beast three and a half years later. Fifth, the return of Jesus at an unknown day and hour after the rise of the beast. And we are moving rapidly toward a global environment that will fulfill all the requirements for the establishment of the covenant experiment. But you, beloved, building yourselves up on your most holy faith, praying in the Holy Spirit, keep yourselves in the love of God, looking forward to the mercy of our Lord Jesus Christ unto eternal life. Therefore, my beloved brethren, be firm, immovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord, knowing that your labor is not in vain in the Lord. Thanks for listening to Bible Prophecy Daily. We hope you learned something valuable today. Be sure to subscribe wherever you heard this podcast so you never miss an episode.